Well, hello world, and welcome to Confluence, the lifestyle where confidence meets influence. I'm your host, Charlie Marcole, and I'm so glad you joined in today. We will talk about so many exciting things, so stay tuned. I'm so happy you're here. What's up, Confluencers? Welcome to episode 11. Happy freaking Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week and that gives us a reason to smile. I mean, smile big as shit. I'm looking forward to the weekend and this Thanksgiving break. Don't get it twisted. As the days draw near to the day, I am so blessed and grateful. I'm learning to take the bitter with the sweet and count it a privilege to still be here. People see your glory, but they don't praise your struggle. We don't really let our struggles be known because we present such a perfect life on social media. But let me be transparent for a moment. In 2018, I got laid off, but God blessed me with a new job with some cool ass people. And like, I enjoy going to work again. My granny had to be transitioned to a nursing home facility, but she's still here with us. I saved my house from foreclosure. I started a podcast. And most of all, I am celebrating my 40th birthday this year. It's the year of 1970 great. If the Lord says the same and the creeks don't rise. So I'm just really thankful this season. You, you saw I named highs as well as lows, but I counted all joy. It's a privilege because it becomes a part of my story. Although I am thankful, I will not be partaking into any Thanksgiving meals as usual. <sighs> Such a struggle. But I have an outfit that I must fit into, so I have to remain disciplined. What a huge, Lord, what a huge sacrifice. Because I love to eat. I love all things good. I love all things tasty. But too much of anything is never good for you. So that means no dressing, no mac and cheese, no cakes, no pies, just baked chicken, green beans. Air, water, and my spit. But guess what? I'm going to show look good at that birthday party. Come on through, 40. So what's happened this week? Winter showed up mad as hell with a vengeance. Y'all, I tried to be ghetto and hold out and just put, you know, blankets on a bed. But that heater had to go on. I am not getting pneumonia in the name of trying to save my light bill. That is a negative. So I, I had to go on and break down. I had to cover my pets, my pipes, but I had to cover me too. Yes, Lord. What else is trending this week? My girl Jill Scott with her latest performance. Social media was all in a frenzy yesterday with her frisky video where she blesses the mic in more than one way. Yes, everybody was acting like all shocked, like, oh, Jill. And I'm like, 
Oh, Jill. Do you listen to her songs? Crown Royal has been around since 2007. And I think if, you know, my memory serves me correctly, that song has made an appearance in my little repertoire. Hell, it might make a comeback. But the words to Crown Royal on ice is enough to say, <gasps> clutch my pearls, honey. She was the first woman I knew that mentioned the word squirt. Your hands on my hips pull me right back to you. I catch that thrust, give it right back to you. You're in so deep, I'm breathing for you. You grab my braids, arch my back high for you. Come on, Jill. Your diesel engine, I'm squirting mad oil. Down on the floor till my speakers start to boil. Yes, you flip shit, quick slip, hip dip, and I'm twisted. See, that is poetry in motion. Yes, yeah, see, I listen to the words because there's power when people tell their story. See, I've never hated a song that I could not connect with. And so, yes, Crown Roll on ice. Get you some. But here's the thing. She's been a woman of confluence and about her business, walking in her lane since she came out. Big ups to you, Miss Jill, for walking in that space. I'm glad the world is now starting to catch on because I've been a fan. What else is happening in the world? Congrats to Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade who welcomed their new baby girl this week via surrogate. I'm so happy for her. She opened up about their struggle to give birth. So having this baby is a long time coming. And last but certainly not least is our former first lady who dropped her book this week, Becoming. I watched her interview the other night with Robin Roberts, and it was so great to see a woman who taps into their human side. Sometimes we think they are a figment of our imagination, but I love that her fingernails was blue and she opened up about being in love still and how she lust for her husband. Yes. See, you got to still lust and love that man. But most importantly, she shared her infertility issues that she and President Obama had before conceiving Sasha and Malia. And I'm pretty sure that, that that was Gabrielle's story this week as well as Michelle Obama. And I, I know it was a woman that's saying, thank you, God. I know I'm not the only one. You see, facts and figures are forgotten, but stories are retold over and over when we connect because they are so powerful. So thank you all of you. For being ladies of confluence and doing influential things in your community. You totally rock. Thank you for your feedback. I appreciate the love and encouragement you give me. Last week I shared that I was headed to my university homecoming at my beloved University of Houston. And when I say it did not disappoint it did not disappoint. 
I saw new faces and ran into some old ones. I connected, reflected, and rejected. I told you last week, old loves can't step into my new space. I am in a place where costing me my peace is too expensive. So sometimes you got to hit them with that high, you know, that nod up. What up, though? That, hey, you know, that, that flick of that wrist with that wave of that finger. Hey, how you doing? Some people you got to keep from afar. You got to keep them afar, child. But I did a poll on Instagram. So follow me if you're not. And I asked if attending homecoming year after year was pointless. A hundred percent said, no way, Jose. Y'all are my kind of confluencers. Every woman needs a moment to step away and have a good time. Kiki, laugh, reminisce, do a strut if you're Greek. Do a dance, pop lock, and drop it. You just need a moment to not be anybody's mama, anybody's wife, anybody's go-to, anybody's shoulder, anybody's back. You just need a moment. And that is what I had this weekend. So it was good to my soul every day. You know, I'm still recovering. So I turned up for a lot of bit, not just for a little bit. And I'm look, looking forward to 2019. No doubt about it. The best speakers are good storytellers. The best writers are good storytellers. The best leaders are good storytellers because there is so much power in storytelling. Stories delight, enchant, touch, teach, and motivate us to change our lives to be better. Stories are all around us. They move us. They make us feel alive. They keep us grounded. We are still telling stories of slavery and stories of how we got over and stories how we climbed out of our miry clay it's stories it's our appetite for stories as we reflect on the basic human need to understand see we need to understand the patterns of our life it helps us to exercise our personal and emotional experience Stories are the way to reach out and emotionally connect to one another. I am keen on believing everything that we go through is not about us. It's to help someone over the hump. And that's how I became an author. I've always been a writer since I was in elementary school. But this time I wanted to connect with women who felt just like me. See, that divorce process is real as hell. It's deep and you often feel alone because no one really understands. If you're still married, you don't know what it's like for someone to walk out on you. And so the only person that really understood me in my deepest hour when everybody was asleep, when the world was still Ooh, do you know what stillness feels like? But when that world was still, I would pick up that pen and paper and it would be two and three 
a.m. in the morning. But I had to tap into my emotional space to help others and tap into theirs. Telling my story became apparent when I began to feel like a volcano ready to erupt. I had to free myself and write it out. Holding my story in felt like poison to my body. And you see, poison affects you from the inside out. Everything that we go through, we suffer through. It's for a reason. And at the time, we don't know it. This week, it became clear for me why God put me in a particular space at my school. And he revealed himself Monday morning. And I was like, wow, God, I had to go through it to help somebody else through it. It helps you help your sister, help her climb out the valley, help her see her struggles, help her deal with her personal private pains. And that's exactly what this week's guest did, too. She was tired of holding it in. And she turned a negative energy into beautiful Christian fiction novels, such as All That Glitters, The Desires of Her Heart, and her new one, Dropping on Black Friday. Go get it. It's on Amazon. The Baby on the Doorstep. So, I want to jump right in and welcome this week's guest, Miss Sharon Elise. Whoop, whoop. Y'all welcome her. Hello, Sharon. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for joining us for Confluence. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, let's just Pull the Band-Aid off and jump right in. Tell us who you are and what you have going on. Okay, my name is Sharon Elise. I write Christian fiction. And right now I am in the midst of releasing my third book. It's coming out next Friday, November 23rd. It's titled The Baby on the Doorstep. Mm. (laughs) The Baby on the Doorstep. And you said this is book number three. You want to talk about that journey, how you got here? Sure. Um, Of course, it started when I was unemployed. You know, I was an educator. And once I got laid off, I had plenty of time to finally finish my first book. And that was released in 2016. And, you know, I'm working again, but I would still work on you know my novels on the side so I released my second novel earlier this summer it's called The Desire of Our Heart and um, I've been writing pretty much all of my life but God will always get you to a place you know you think that's your lowest point but he's all he's working it all out for his glory and you don't see that at the time while you're in the midst of it but you know just a lot of fruits have manifested from that one low period in my life. Mm. So you're telling people you need that valley in order to appreciate that mountaintop, right? Exactly. Exactly. 
Amen. <laughs> <laughs> because we like to, we don't like it down in the valley, but sometimes I like it down in the valley because I can dream where I need to go. And then once I get out the valley, I remember the valley. So I don't go there often. Because, you know, you, you don't stay at the mountain forever. Exactly. And, you know, it helps to know that there's always a reward on the other side. That's what really keeps me going when, you know, I'm in a depression or, you know, life just turns upside down. There's always some glory, you know, after the storm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because he always put a rainbow in the sky. Exactly. So we met about a few years, a few years ago, about two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And we both are uh, Arthur's in this, you know, indie business. And people ask all the time, you already know the number one question I'm about to ask. <laughs> How did you turn your thoughts into a book? You know, just sit down and write. You know, I keep journals. I've been writing, as cliche as it sounds, pretty much all of my life. So you mm-hmm. just sit down and just do it. You know, don't even think about it. Just sit down and do it. It's not as hard as, you know, some would think. But you just got to stop procrastinating, stop letting, you know, self-defeating thoughts and self-defeating behaviors, you know, stop you. Somebody out there needs to hear your story. That should be all the motivation that you need. You're right. You're right. Somebody, you know, I posted last week, Oprah wasn't built in a day. Right. Um, Because we want to be for tough. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us see the glory, but we don't praise the struggle. Like right. I said, it's that valley. It's the, oh, Lord Jesus. It's the valley that I actually have learned to appreciate. And so people like you, like, want to rush through the process. I want to write a book and I want to write, I want to come out next year. I want to come out like, it doesn't work like that. Like, and I'm like, how often do you write? Well, it depends. I really don't like writing. Um, no, ma'am. You don't need to write a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, that baffles me. Like, you, you don't like to write, but yet and still, you want somebody to sit up and read what you wrote? Right. Okay. If you don't believe in your story enough to actually work on it, well, you know, why should I, you know, support it or purchase it? You got to believe in your dream. Yes, yes, because you also participated in the anthology um, that we did together, uh, Sisters of the Storm, and your story was so good. Thank you. It was you. so good. Like, no, it was past good, because I tell my children, good is the first step. You know, mm-hmm. we, we nobody strives for good. We all striving to be great. That was a really great story, because you evoke those emotions and help people visualize to put themselves in the story. And as Arthur's, we call it showing versus telling. So can you tell the Confluence listeners who desire to write that there is a difference called showing versus telling? Can you explain it to them? Right. You know, um, a lot of narration bores your reader. They like, you know, more so dialogue. And from that first page, you have to make sure that you're going to pull them in. 
and you should keep them riveted, you know, throughout the story. And, you know, I read a lot of books. I've taken an online course with HCC to try to hone my craft and get better at storytelling. So it's definitely something that you need to study and, you know, brush up on. Yes. Because there's power in storytelling. Right. You know, and like when you read, so I tell my students, even for the state of Texas, they only give your story 90 minutes. Nine, I mean, not 90 minutes, 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. You have to make it an impression within 90 seconds. That means you got to come out the gate cooking and reeling. Right. And that's the thing when I read a lot of um, people's, you know, they like, I want you to read this. You know, and you're like, what do you think about it? Like, uh, well, you know, have you thought about? That's that's how I kind of like, have you thought about? What did you think about? Did you, you know? Right, and, right. And I noticed that you say that you do Christian fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. What? <laughs> does that mean because you know when people hear that word christian because i i tell people i'm i am a christian but i still cuss and i would turn mm-hmm. up because <laughs> god knows my heart he made me not we ourselves so yeah. can you like because people steer clear oh lord she got the cross here she come like can you right. talk about that let's talk about that for a minute right that's not within my books and mm. to be I use words such as damn or something like that. So if you ask somebody, they might not consider me a good representative of Christian fiction because I use words like that. But I always want to be, you know, real. And I want to portray reality within my books. You know, people don't walk around with crosses on their forehead every day. Life is real, even for the most diehard Christian. And I always want to keep it real within my books. And, you know, and just show reality. We get angry. We go through things. We get cheated on. You know, Mm -hmm. life is not always a bed of roses. And how I even got led to Christian fiction, because I did my first novel that I ever worked on. It had a lot of curse words and stuff in it. And my whole flop, it was back in the day of the floppy disk. The whole thing just Come on, floppy disk. Come on, floppy. Yes, yes. The floppy disk just crashed and corrupted. So that's how I knew, okay, God is coming. Mm-mm, nope, that's not the direction I'm leading you. I want you to write for me. So clean it up a bit. Write for me and glorify my name. And I'm like, okay, I got you, God. You ain't got to tell me twice. You know, I know how to heed a warning. And, you know, that's when he opens doors for you when you're, you know, aligned with his will. You know, I'm not knocking anybody that, you know, writes those types of books, but I'm just doing what I know that he's called me to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, when you walk in your purpose, right, he opens doors that you know no man can open or close, right? Because you know he just he gives us access. He has like that badge when you're going, you know, to the CIA or to you know the White House. You know, I I like to see them. (laughs) Like I sit back. You know, that's how a, a, a real you know, Arthur does. I sit back and I watch the scene. I talk about people's heels clicking on the concrete and how the badge went beeping. You know what I mean? Like you, got, I gotta make, I gotta make you believe that. But see that Christian fiction, like you say, life is real, and mm-hmm. see what makes it Christian. Because I, I, I bring God into my books 
as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but what makes it Christian? Because it, it has that motivating and inspiring factor to it. Yes, it's yes. for your entertainment, but you're going to leave. Um, you're going to close the pages of the book. Once you're done, you're going to feel inspired and encouraged. That's the Christian factor. That I always try to, you know, interject like scriptures, you know, within my books, you know, just to give you some encouragement. Yeah, well, the, you know, I mean, I listen, you know, I am knocking on the next decade of my life. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my grandmother used to say when I was little, the Bible is right. <laughs> and the older I'm getting, I'm like, you know what? You know what the word of God say? You know, I, I'm telling you, the older I get, I'm like, Lord, yo, you gave us the blueprint. And the reason why we're struggling is because we're not, we're building houses that you didn't even give us the, like, we're just not following the blueprint. So that's good that your books, because see, your books can change people's lives. And that's know? what I'm hoping. Or when each person reads it, I want to do that. I want to hear those testimonies. Oh, your, you know, your story really encouraged me. And, you know, I want to get those inbox messages and the emails, you know, and I feel like, you know, my job is done. Because let me tell you, SOS, you know, at first it wasn't going that way. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, like, because love prevails. I don't want to give it away, but I'm telling you, I was like, oh, and even even the editor and my other sister scribe said that Sharon girl huh yes <laughs> I see a future like uh, yes yes girl because you just like you didn't expect and especially because I'm a divorcee I didn't expect that to go the way that went but it like what it really said is that love prevailed through the storm <laughs> through the rain I'm a themer. I'm a themer girl. I, you know what I mean? I look for the theme. And so what it said was love wins. Love prevails at the end of the day. And what God is joined together. What? Right. Let mm-hmm. no man put asunder. So, okay. Does writing energize or exhaust you? It energizes me. Because, you know, when I leave the day job, I know that I have something that you know I can look forward to working on on the weekends because I really don't like writing you know at the end of the day because I'm too tired and I can write during my lunch break it's such a great outlet I I love it no it's not exhausting (laughs) not at all not at all okay no (laughs) and what is your writing kryptonite hmm usually my emotions, if I'm triggered by something mm-hmm. that I saw. Yes. Come on, emotions. My fingers are just pecking away. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah, it's in a, like an emotional trigger. I have to let, let, let me, you know, into written word. Let me get this down on plan. That's a plot. Yeah. Something I say, that's a plot right there. Mm-hmm. Let, let me fill in the pieces. Yeah. Let me just outline. Yes. That's my kryptonite. So for the listeners. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they're like, I want to write about my story, you know, and because I, listen, the story that went bestselling for me, honey, I, that was a real live Charlie Marco situation. But you know what we do, what we do, change the name <laughs> to protect me, you know, 
So can you explain why it is okay to use your real life, but change it into a fictitious situation? Yeah, there's nothing wrong, you know, with that. Um, and it's the best that you do change names so you won't face any kind of lawsuits. But yes, I don't, I believe in being transparent. Although a lot of people don't believe me when I say a lot of the stories that I write, they're not really about me per se. It's about something that I have may have seen mm-hmm. and I just, my imagination to run with it. But yeah, none of these three books are, you know, directly about something, you know, something that happened in, in my life. Okay. That's just me. <laughs> Now, but I will say the desire of her heart, it was triggered by a situation that I did experience. Okay. But from there, all the rest is just complete fiction. Wow. Okay. Okay. Complete fiction? Mm-hmm. Complete okay. fiction. You say, no, I'm not going to take your story and change yeah. the name so you can come get mad at me, girl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do you think someone could be a writer if they don't feel emotions strongly? Since you say emotions trigger you, do you think, you know, that someone could be a writer if they don't, if they're not in touch with that emotional side? Because people don't like to tap in. Right. I think you need a ghost writer. If yeah, if you're feeling like that, get a ghost writer, and let them write your story for you. Because, you know, that's a, that a whole emotional factor. That's what draws readers in. Mm-hmm. So you can't miss that element. So I would suggest you get a ghostwriter. And do you do ghostwriting or what is yes, ghostwriting? Mm-hmm. It's just that you, you're just like a ghost. You sit down with the person. Um, they discuss what they want basically written and you do it. But you can't, you know, it's total anonymity. You can't reveal to anyone that you wrote, you know, wrote that story. That's why most ghostwriters charge a lot of money because, you know, that's the only profit from that piece of work that they'll see. Good, good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the publishing aspect, what do you suggest? Do you suggest people go and do it on their own or seek a publishing company? I made the mistake of going with a publishing company and that was a lot of wasted money when I could have just went to Amazon like I'm doing now and just, you know, upload and publish for free and just um, pay for my copies. So I just please encourage anyone that's writing a book for the first time, do more thorough research. And that's the one thing I regret not doing because I could have saved a boatload of money. Mm. And that's like, you know, Publishing is one of those things and people don't realize that there are steps like don't rush this process. You definitely got to trust the process and know that the end product is what you're desiring the most because Mm -hmm. people don't go through the proper channels to protect their body of works, their body of intelligence, you know, because it's intellectual property. And so it's like, I just want a book so bad, so bad. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I even picked up books that don't have an ISBN on the back. Like, where are you? What you doing? And <laughs> like, what? You know, <laughs> you're right. So, I like to tell like the ladies of Confluence because a lot of them say I want to write a book. I desire to write a book. I just don't know how to write a book. Why is it important for us to protect our property? Because this this is like our home. This is the domain. You know. Right. So can you share why it's so important 
to protect that space because the worst feeling in the world is for something that you you know worked hard and labored on to end up in the wrong hands in a nutshell I mean I would hate to see my work pirated by somebody else because I didn't take the necessary precautions and steps to you know protect my work yeah so, yeah. this is like a baby being birthed right exactly yes. exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah just research and you know protect yourself just look into what you need to do to protect and guard your work okay and you know I believe in protecting a lot of things, like I be, especially when I write. When I'm writing, that is a protected space for me. I kind of almost go underground mm-hmm. um, because I am a spiritual person, you know, and writing is actually one of my spiritual practices. I write to feel better. So, my question to you is, do you view writing as a kind of a spiritual practice? Oh, definitely. Because I know I always pray before I sit down to write anything. I'm like, God, you know, guide my hands, guide my thoughts. I want this work, you know, to be something that's pleasing unto your sight and that will bless others. So, yes, definitely. Good, good, good. And I think that's too also, because it was written in love. Because, you know, we say, like you said, you're a Christian fiction writer. You know, God is love. And so when mm-hmm. I sit down and I pray, this is coming from a, a, a deeper place than just the surface of me. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, you know, I, I literally, you know, pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. Before mm-hmm. I even start doing anything, I don't care if I'm taking 20 days. Right? That's what I say, because I want it to, even though I'm not labeled as a Christian, you know, Arthur, I still, like you said, want to change lives. Everything mm-hmm. I go through, I know that God got, he has to have a purpose, honey, because I've suffered from depression, um, you know, teenage pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> divorcee and so I take all of those things all of those things and just I mean it's so much I probably can write novels for years <laughs> you know? but I love to hear other women share their story and so do you have a story that you're willing to open up and share about to help the women of Confluence. Because people look at us, Sharon, and say, they got it going on. They got it together. Man, look at you. Shining like a star. Man, you got your Instagram, your Instagram popping, your this popping. But do you know a different story than everybody else see? Yes. Um, my father committed suicide. I've dealt with depression and suicide, you know, generational curses. Mm-hmm. Yes, matter of fact, before I wrote the book, my first book, I had just, I was contemplating taking my own life. Wow. You know, that's how the devil tries to take you out because he knows that God has a purpose for you. And he tried his hardest to take me out right before the blessing of my, you know, first book came into fruition. Wow. So yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that is my story. I battled depression for most of my life. It really um, be- became triggered in eighth grade, and it's followed me throughout my college years. And once I graduated college, I thought I had defeated it, but it reemerged, and you know, into my adult life once I hit my thirties. So, yes, I definitely have a story. Wow! <laughs> and thank you for sharing. I no mean, because do you feel like that's helped you to become a better writer? Oh yes, definitely. Like we said, we're going back to that emotional factor. Yes, I I, I pull back on that because you can't forget. Like you said, once you reach that low place. You know, it's always a blessing to just remember where you've come from. And, you know, that's what, you know, motivates me and keeps me going. Because, you know, I know God has not brought me this far to, you know, just give up on me. He still has me here for a reason. And I want to walk within and within that purpose. And walk within your purpose. This is your story. And thank you so much for sharing with the ladies of Confluence. Where can they find you and where can they buy your newest projects as well as the past projects? Okay, you can visit my website, which is www.sharonelise.com. I'm also on Facebook, um, Twitter, and Instagram, and my handles are Sharon Elise. And I'm also on Amazon. And I just want to say real um, quick, the baby on the doorstep is about a young woman. She's been battling infertility. And she wakes up one morning to find a baby on her doorstep. But we can pretty much see where this book is going. That's not a blessing from God. Her husband has been up to something. And I'm not going to give away too much more. Don't tell! The plot thickens! Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, end it there. I want you to be in suspense so you can go out and purchase it. It's released next Friday, which is Black Friday. Come so. on, yes! <laughs> yes! See what I'm saying? The plot thickens. And you're, I'm, I'm telling you guys, please support Sharon. I set up on the airplane, right? I mean, because I, you know did the last project the anthology and so I didn't have an opportunity to go through them and so I was like let me see what Sharon talking about let me see you know what such and such talking about and baby like I read yours it was a page turner it is definitely a page turner I know that this is gonna be good because you do you see like President Obama's wife our ex-first lady, Michelle Obama, she, that is a new thing. I'm not going to say it's a new thing, but right now that is really starting to be an issue that's in the forefront because a lot of women have hit that. And so right. this right. is your time, girl. Like right. what we comment just came out and she's talking about that. Like, this is the perfect time. Push it. You know, exactly. I didn't realize that. Yeah. When she made that revelation, I'm like, wow, this falls in line with my story. And a lot of women are embarrassed about it because they it think, you know, they think that it undermines their womanhood. But, you know, get, yeah, get the book. Get, get the Michelle. book. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for joining in. This has been a fun interview. I mean, I, I, I would love to have you back sometime later. You know, so we could talk about how the book is doing. Thank you. Definitely. Definitely. All right. 
Thank you, Sharon, for sharing your story with me and the ladies of Confluence. Your testimony will definitely set someone free. So do you have a story you need to tell? There are some easy steps to follow to get you started. First, establish your starting point by asking yourself these basic questions. Who is your audience? What is your goal in telling your story? Are you persuading someone to invest in something? Are you trying to buy somebody's alliance or buy-in amongst your peers? And are you trying to inspire people to support a cause or individual or save someone's life? That would be self-help. That was my first book. If you can answer those questions, that's a good starting point. Start there. People always say, I want to write a book. But then I ask, have you been writing? And usually the answer is no. Let that be a passion for a purpose. Not to be passive. Well, that's it for me. Follow me on social media at Charlie Marcole. Hashtag Confluence Me and Confluence the Lifestyle. Until then, be blessed and a blessing to others. Well, that's it, my friends. Thank you for tuning in to Confluence the Lifestyle, where confidence meets influence. I am your host, Charlie Marcole, and I've enjoyed having you here with me. Until we meet again, remember, when you are strong enough and confident enough to speak the truth, you gain respect and influence. Smooches.